Good evening and welcome to another episode of the DFWTO podcast. I'm your I am your Casper. I am your host Casper. And our Casper. <laughs> and I am your Becky Gremlin, your <laughs> other host. <laughs> Here to bring you all things spooky on Wednesdays because Wednesdays are for podcasts. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, guys. Honestly, it doesn't feel like a new year at all to me. I just feel like we're I just... in an internal loop of 2020. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> That's pretty much how I feel. But it is a new year. It is 2023 officially, which means another year of horror has come and gone, and another year of horror is coming up. So, you guys, uh, 2022 is very rough. Uh, it had its don't don't get me wrong. 2022 overall as a year was a good year for me and Becky, but it had its moments, and unfortunately, the moments were pretty large moments, which meant that we liked to. When it comes to things that happen in our lives, we like to stick with comfort um, shows and movies. We are very behind on horror movies. Um, Oh my gosh. Very badly right now. I did see a few new movies in 2022. Um, I will, they're not on this list, but I will talk about a couple of them and I'm pretty sure Becky has too. Um, But... We are going to go over Bloody Disgusting's top 15 list of 2022, because Bloody Disgusting is the shit. Um, and we're going to talk about those movies, and then after we talk about those movies, it, we are going to talk about what's coming up this year. Um, we are also going to talk about some of the horror shows that came out in 2022, just briefly, because, you know, obviously Stranger Things and um, Wednesday being two of the big ones. But you guys, 2022 was a year of... I could not catch, I couldn't keep up, and I know Becky couldn't keep up. Not at all. Um, no, no, no. Especially we, the second half of the year. Oh, God, so the second bad. half of the year was just And that bad. just seemed like when a lot of stuff was coming out, mm-hmm. and I was just not in any mental capacity whatsoever to watch anything. It is new. very hard so, to watch new horror movies, because if you're not in a comfortable mindset in your life... It is so hard to watch new yes. horror movies because you do get, even, I don't care how much of a seasoned horror fan you are, you do get anxiety. You do have jump scares. You do have that what's going to happen mentality. And when you're living that in your real life, where it's a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety, it's very hard when you have time to relax to want that same feeling. Yes. So usually you just go to the comforts where you know what's going to happen, you know, and horror is incredibly comforting to both of us. Incredibly comforting. I can't tell you how many times I've watched a horror movie to calm my anxiety, but it's when I've already seen it and it's when I know yeah. what's coming. Watching, especially with a lot of the new horror this past year coming out, that was incredibly psychological. There was so much psychological horror that came out this year. Um I cannot handle new movies like that when nope. I when I am going through something. Nope. I just don't have just straight up I don't have the energy for it. Same here. I was uh and still am in a lot of grief and uh still going through a grieving process my husband and I and um anything psychological I was just not prepared for. I just was not gonna. My my brain was already stretched thin enough. So uh, 
I just wanted to stick with what was comforting. Um, but I'm sure everybody can understand that. And listen, you don't have to rush everything. These movies aren't going anywhere. That's the beauty of streaming services. Yes, They're there forever. You can watch them anytime you want to. So, you know, I'm actually glad I waited because there's some on this list that I haven't seen that I'm actually like, I had forgotten about or never heard of. And so I'm like, oh, great. This is great. Now when I have the time, now that I'm ready, fresh, fresh year, fresh start, I can sit back and start watching. So, um, oh, before we get into the episode. Oh, yeah. The, um, we're also going to do. our sponsor. <laughs> we're also going to do um, movies that are coming up this year also. So. Yes. So a word from our sponsor. Come your buddy down. Bing. Um, thank you for everybody who took part in the uh big sale for the holiday. Um, I got a lot of really great sales at the end of the year. Hopefully, you got some great products for Christmas or to jump into the new year. Um, or when it just got stupid cold, and I'm sure the first thing people wanted if their pipes didn't freeze is a hot warm bath. So, um. The sale is over. Things are still up for grabs, um, but there are going to be some big announcements coming in the next couple weeks. So just keep checking back on Instagram, um, Etsy, calm your buddy down. And of course, all announcements will be given here on the podcast. So thank you. Calm your buddy down. Bing. All right, all guys. Right. So how we're going to do this, uh, because a lot of the movies on this list we did not see. We are going to say the name of it, and then we're going to give a small description. Um, some of these I have heard of and have wanted to see. I just haven't gotten around to it. Um, but, and then once we go over this list, we'll talk about the ones that we saw that we liked. And a couple that aren't on this list that I can already think of that I'm still dying to see. Um, that is not even on this list. So, All right, so uh, Bloody Disgusting's best... These were their 15, top 15 best horror movies of last year. Um, so coming in at number 15 was Hellraiser, which I heard great things about this, especially since it's a woman playing uh, the iconic Penhead character. Um, so this is actually one that I'm probably going to watch. Um, I didn't get into, I, I've seen most of the Penhead movies, but not all of them. Basically the first two are about the only ones I could really get into. And then they just, mm, after that. Um, but a quick description of the new one, the Arbiters of Pain and Suffering are back in the Hellraisers franchise. This is the 11th one, um, with a reimagining by the Night House director, David Bruckner, heard great things about that movie too, mm -hmm. and screenwriters Luke Piotrowski and Ben Collins. A cold open introduces debauched billionaire Roland Voigt, uh, who is played by Goran Viznishik. Biznishik, I believe. <laughs> I've heard of this actor before. If you Google him, everybody will know who he is. And has experimentation with the iconic puzzle box. Six months later, recovering addict Riley, played by Odessa Azion, limits to her lover Trevor, played by Drew Starkey, that she's strapped for cash after the latest blowout fight with her brother Matt, played by Brandon Flynn. Matt's skepticism about Trevor and his concerns that Riley will relapse seem accurate when Trevor offers Riley a get-rich... Oops, sorry, I almost lost my place. A get-rich gig that entails breaking into Voight's mansion... It's there that Riley finds the mysterious puzzle box unwittingly summoning sadistic supernatural beings from another dimension. As you do. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Piotrowski and Collins opt for straightforward simplicity here. 
that lets Bruckner's imagery do the heavy lifting. There's a deep well of mythology without any hand-holding. Jamie Clayton's inspired performance as the hell priest, the Cenobite leader, impresses most of all. So even though it's a woman playing it, they keep Pinhead's character very, uh, or the hell priest, they keep it. That's the thing I always did love about those characters, too. They were almost like very gender ambiguous. You, they didn't even, they were almost like genderless. They didn't even like, there There were no, because they were just, they were just beings. They were just these, these hellish, horrible things, the Cenobites. Mm -hmm. That was it. Basically a demon. Which I hear Cenobite. And it makes me want a cinnamon roll. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna need a yeah, cinnamon, cinnamon roll. roll. <laughs> and I'm gonna, I'm, I'm going a... into 2023 with that in my mind. Yeah, that is with that correct. Energy. We're going into 2023 with that energy. Correct. Because who doesn't motherfucking need a cinnamon roll? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so this next one is called the house. Um, I have heard of this, but I have not seen it personally. I heard about this too and like it would I, I've watched a lot of Netflix last year because they were killing it with the documentaries and um, I kept seeing this pop up like mm -hmm. you might want to watch this and I'm like uh, maybe later <laughs> I know I do that too so Netflix's stop motion animated anthology weaves together three creepy tales tethered to one house the segments span time and tone telling of a low-income family an anxious developer and a fed-up landlady who all become tied to the same mysterious house Daughter Mabel, played by Mia Goth, and navigates a... We'll be hearing her name some more on this list. That girl fucking killed it last year. She did. Navigates a mounting house of horrors as her parents lose themselves to newly acquired luxury in the first story. The second sees unwanted pests swarming and waylaying a developer's plans, while the third segment closes the darkly comedic and unsettling anthology on an uplifting note amid an isolated dystopia. The house occasionally unnerves, but always taps into deep-seated dread. The animation is breathtaking, and the symbolism bears repeat viewings. Directed by Emma DeSwaif, Mark James Rolls, Nikki Lindroth, Von Barr, and Paloma Beza. The house features voice acting by Mia Goth, Claudia Blakely, Matthew Good, Mark Heap, Miranda Richardson, and Helena Bonham Carter. Nice. Um, so next on the list is Bull. I've heard I of have, this one too. I actually have not heard of this one. Um, but quick description Kill List Neil Maskell stars as the epitomous Bull, a gang enforcer that adores his son, Aiden, played by Henry Charles. But Bull mysteriously went silent for a decade, gone without a trace. Now he's back and searching for his old gang who are surprised to see him. It quickly becomes apparent that Bull is on a rage fueled mission for payback against an egregious double cross. At the top of his hit list are father-in-law and local crime boss Norm, played by David Heyman, and Bull's drug-addicted wife, Gemma, played by uh, Lois Braben Platt, who happens to be Norm's daughter. More than carving his path through personal justice, Bull wants to find his son. Sounds Actually sounds really good. The mm -hmm. latest by Paul Andrew Williams, uh, who worked on The Cottage and Cherry Tree Lane. Reads like a classic gritty crime thriller turned vengeance quest. Hey, I love sign, I'm, I'm sign me up for that. for that. But plays like a horror movie in many ways. The bloody kills, the creatively staged deaths, and an unrestrained killer marries a crime revenge thriller with a slash. I am oh here my for this. God, okay, listen. 
<laughs> Sign it up. Sign me up. I love it. Sounds great. That you know, it kind of it almost sort of reminds me of, and I I I always sort of saw this movie similarly to a horror movie because it it's got a lot of that same suspense and it's really violent. And of all things, I uh, I think it was one of Cronenberg's. Um, that uh, it was Viggo Mortensen is in it, and he plays a Russian uh, gang member, or was formerly a Russian gang member. I'm pretty sure David Cronenberg directed it. Uh, I would help you, but I cannot. <laughs> it's a... Oh, shit. I'll find it. Eastern Promises. Eastern Promises is a great... It, it's... It was one of the few... It's... Uh, there were a few films that David Cronenberg did that actually weren't horror films, but still had kind of an air of them. And, uh, yeah, Viggo Mortensen and Naomi Watts are in it. And Eastern Promises is a, is a really, really good fucking movie. It's really, really good. And of all things, I saw it actually before I found out it was even directed by David Cronenberg. You know, we're so used to his type of, like, body mod horror that it was sort of weird seeing a movie like, it was more of a crime thriller, but it was so violent and played out similarly in a way to a horror film that anytime I hear about movies like this, I'm like, oh, sign me up. I'll, I'll watch. I'll watch that immediately. Fucking same. Coming in at number 12, we have Nanny. This I, popped up on a lot of lists. When I was actually searching for lists for movies, I have not heard of this, but I was searching for I lists either. of movies from last year. This one popped up on a lot of best of horror lists. So, Writer, director... Nikyatu Jusu establishes herself as a rising voice in horror straight away with her feature debut, Nanny. Anna Diop stars as Aisha, sorry, Aisha, a woman who recently immigrated from Senegal and currently works as the nanny for a daughter of a wealthy couple, who's played by Michelle Monaghan and Morgan Specker. Living in New York City, Aisha trying to save money to bring her son overseas but struggles with her remorse over leaving him behind and her employer's increasingly volatile home life. Volatile. Can't read. It coincides with a haunting presence that invades her dreams and waking life, threatening to shatter the American dream she's working so hard to achieve. Nikyatu Jusu blends magical realism with horror and drama, creating a distinct fable that slowly works its way under your skin and culminates in heart-shattering devastation. The end of that though, heart shattering devastation. I'm, you know, I'm all for. I'm hearing it. I'm, I'm, I'm also very happy. This is another example of uh, starting to see more black film directors mm -hmm. coming out, and I'm all for black horror film directors. Please. The woman that directed Candyman, I want to see more from her. Jordan Peele, um, yeah, for sure. So Bones and All, I actually did. I actually did hear about this with uh, Tim Timothy Chalamet star starring in it. Um, like a really, I love, I love when, um, what was that one, Raw? I love any time that you can take cannibalism and like really flip it in a story where it's not like your, your same old zombie cannibalism mm -hmm. trope because we've seen that 80 billion times. But if you can if you can take a movie like Raw or, or Bliss uh, Bliss and and have these movies that it touch it's it's about cannibalism, but that almost is in the background. Well, I guess Bliss to is like vampire, the higher same thing. point of the story. So um, 
This was the director of Suspiria, Luca Giadagnino, and writer David Kajganich to spin an achingly tender and thoughtful coming-of-age romance between a pair of cannibals with an insatiable need to devour flesh. I also thought it was cute as an interracial couple. I just thought it was cute. Bones and All, an adaptation of a Camille de Anglis novel, uses the road trip format set in Reagan-era America as a provocative and macabre means of exploring the monstrous need for survival and human connection. The cannibalism is grisly. Uh... Guadagnino. Guadagnino never shy, thank you, never shies away from flesh ripping acts of feeding, and the filmmaker doesn't ease viewers into it either. Sounds great. It's Sign a head up. first plunge meant to shock. <laughs> Love it. It's a clever, macabre means of isolating its lead characters in, uh, in, in their otherness, slowly succumbing to their human desire for connection and understanding. But beneath the viscera and gru is a tender and affecting tale of first love and discovery. It's as elegant as carnal. It's as elegant as it is carnal and carnivorous, and it'll take a bite out of your heart if you let it. I really want to see it. I I actually have seen trailers for I've, it. For yeah, a minute. some really good things. And it, I really want to see it. Because so. I'm like her. I I love a good cannibal movie. I actually, uh, Raw does not get the attention it deserves. Mm -hmm. Um, I know it's French, but it is brilliant. It is actually like an amazing that fucking movie. ending. I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> that movie is so good. This next one, see, I'm pissed off about this next one and X because I want to see both of those movies more than anything from 2022. Honestly, those two are like at the top of the list. You know what I've been hearing now though about these that if nobody's watched them yet which you should do and um i've been hearing this go around a lot similarly to what my husband and i've heard other people tell me to do which i'm glad i did first time i watched the godfather i watched the second one first and then watched the first one everybody's saying watch pearl and then watch x even though x came out first well, and I mean, then Pearl came out, watch Pearl, and then... Because apparently X didn't make a lot of sense to people until Pearl came out. Well, Pearl was the prequel. Because Pearl's the prequel, mm -hmm. right. So I think now it's... I, I feel like a lot of movies do that, but I feel like if you can go... But if you wait and you go back and watch the prequel first and then watch the other movie... I feel like that's the way to do it. And I've heard people do that. So that's the way that's the way I'm going to do it. I'm going to watch just, Pearl and then I'm going to watch X. It's rare sometimes when you can when you can do movies to where you watch the first one, which is technically the second one, and then watch the prequel and it makes sense to watch it in that order. Yeah. The only I mean Paranormal Activity is a fantastic example example yeah. of how you can do it. Because the first movie, you can watch it on its own. It makes perfect sense. The second movie, you can watch it on its own after the first one. And the second one's going to make way more sense after seeing the first one, even though the second one is a prequel. Mm -hmm. So you have to, like, certain ways of doing that. But in this case, apparently, sometimes it's hard to do that. So the prequel makes sense to watch first. first. Yeah. So you kind of know what the hell is going on. Orphan. Honest to God, I would never tell people to watch the prequel first, only because the shock of the actual twist from the first one is so 
genuinely shocking but now that i've seen the prequel if you watch the prequel first the second one will make or the original will make so much more sense but it's it's almost like the ending it's it's almost as shocking as the ending of saul you don't see it coming you don't see it coming at but that was one that was wasn't on this list that we saw that we enjoyed first that was last year wasn't it was first First kill was enjoyable that was a great movie so anyway the next movie is uh number 10 pearl Writer-director T. West nestled his ode to... I think it's Ty. Oh, Ty. That's okay. Independent exploitation filmmaking into the 70s set slasher X. For its prequel, West rewinds the clock much further to pay tribute to the golden age of Hollywood. Mia Goth reprises her role as the repressed killer Pearl, this time exploring a much different younger side. Pearl makes for a vastly different viewing experience thanks to its drastic shifts in style, tone, and cinematic influences but with enough connective tissue to enrich its predecessor. West and Goth play by their roles here. Stylistically. Thank you. And narratively. I want. I was putting the emphasis on all of the wrong syllables. on in that word. It's okay. (laughs) West uses his cinematic influences to create something unique and audacious, and Goth cuts loose with an unrestrained performance. This prequel is less about the body count, though there are plenty of bloody violent deaths, and more about a slow unraveling of a mind that was broken from the start. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's why I want to see it. Am I not pretty enough? Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, coming in at number nine is Prey, which I am so glad my husband and I watched this, because this movie was fucking in incredible. I still want to see it. It was so good, and if you're a fan of the Predator movies, you, like, you have to watch this. Like, <laughs> it made me go back and watch the original Predator. Like, both of them. It made me go back and watch the original too because I hadn't seen them in forever. But watching this first and then go, it's like, give a whole new found appreciation for those movies. Because I don't, especially the second one, I don't feel like they got the respect they deserved, especially after the like Alien versus Predator movies, even though I was personally a fan of those. I know a lot of people thought they were hokey and corny. And then kind of made fun of, like, the Predator, which I'm like, I don't know how you could, because that character is fucking badass as fuck. Like, the Predator character, I've always thought, was, like, holy, can, invisibility cloak, and you'll see that motherfucker until you see three laser beams on you, and then you're fucking done. And then he rips your skull and your vertebrae out of you and keeps it as a fucking trope. Stop. I would, too. I mean, same. But, like, <laughs> Predator is badass. And this movie, like, solid just... And then all the, like, indigenous... And, and having actual indigenous people play indigenous characters. Can I get an amen one time? Because I would like to see amen. more of that happening, please and thank you. Um. So, Prey takes its cues from 1987's Predator in terms of simplicity and bloody action horror. Its cultural specificity and period setting lend a sweeping period epic feel and introduce emotional stakes through its memorable characters. Set in the Great Plains in 1719, Prey introduces Naru, played played incredibly by Amber Midthunder, a young Comanche woman uninterested in fulfilling the domestic role of her tribe that her tribe expects of her. Yeah, she's badass. Naru wants to hunt. Just like her brother and respected hunter, Tayabi, who's played by Dakota Beavers, she sets out to test her mettle and protect her tribe when an unknown threat emerges across the ridge. Prey may take place three centuries before Predator, 
but it's not a prequel so much it is as it is a film in conversion with the original okay I like how they describe that so it's almost like it's really not a prequel it's like not to give so much of the movie away, but it's like, this is how Predator started. Mm -hmm. This is the first time you ever saw him. And you're seeing him back in our time of what would be the 1700s. So he looks like you know it's Predator, but he looks so ancient. He looks almost like a skinwalker. He looks very That's much awesome. like a skinwalker. I had a lot of people say that from looking at the promotional photos. If you look at the promotional photos and see how, like, the mask, because in what we saw Predator in the 87 one, the, like, his, we know the, the real face is fucked up, but the mask that he wears is metallic, so it's more futuristic. The mask that this thing wears is like a, a deer skull. It's oh, like a moose cool. skull. So it looks like a fuck, it looks like a skin, so, I mean, they keep up with the indigenous stuff so deep. To the point that, like, at one point, not only are they fighting against the predator, they're, these indigenous people are fighting against the white fur trappers. So wow. it's like you have that real enemy plus this fucking alien that looks like, you know, and in their instance, they're seeing, oh, fire coming out of the sky. This thing looks like a skinwalker. You know, they, I love, uh this movie was everything. Like, it was so, I mean, so much of, like, indigenous folklore that you and I love so much. To tie that in with the Predator series, I was like, listen, who the... <laughs> Dan Trachtenberg, sir. Yes. Yes, I'm gonna need to see more of this. My husband fucking loved it. Loved it. Loved every bit of it. Loved the creature design. Loved all the special effects. You know, we... Because I don't think a lot of people, since it didn't have a name that tied it to Predator, it con I did hear about that. It confused a lot of people where they didn't know until they saw it. And they were like, oh, this is a fucking Predator movie. Yeah, because it's just called I was Prey. Over here, you like, like, don't know. I thought it was the video game. Yeah, see, I never heard of the video game. I was like, they're like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, the video game Prey. And, and you're like, I don't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> Am I not pretty? Great. I'm but it's on Hulu and it's amazing. And if nobody saw it last year, now you got time. There you go. I will make You time. got plenty of time. Number eight is coming in hot with Scream 5. It's been 25 years. So glad the... we saw this in the theater. I too. would not have had it any other way. Listen, Same. I am going to be seeing Scream 6 in the theater as well. Same. I am leery. Because Nevin's not in it. <laughs> All the same. But after seeing the teaser trailer and after knowing yes. Kirby is coming back, I am a little oh, excited. I, I am a little excited. And knowing that Jenna, Kirby Jenna Ortega back, coming back to... Kirby coming back really did the big switch for me. I was like, okay, oh, yeah. sign on. Got it. Because I was like, Nev Campbell not being in it, I don't give a shit. I don't care if Courtney Cox is in it. Kirby's coming back. Done. Kirby was my fan favorite from 4. She was my favorite. Hundred percent. I think she was everybody's. I need her to be the killer. Like I, I, I need same. Like she snaps or something. Anything. Just make. I it also happen. love that Jenna Ortega is coming back. You talk about. I had never heard of her prior prior to Scream Five, so now the way she's blown up with Wednesday, I'm I'm loving seeing the trajectory of this young lady's career. It's really. Awesome. It was like when Florence Pugh. Mm hmm had Midsummer, which was like her quote unquote big break. She had been in stuff prior to that. 
But that was like her big break where all of a sudden everything you started, everything you saw, Florence Pugh was somewhere in it. Totally I feel like Jenna Ortega is that right now. Mm-hmm. Like everything that's coming out, she is starting to be in and she's a fantastic actress and I love her. I think she's adorable. So it's been 25 years. I say adorable. She's like 21. Still a child, but. Child it's me. been 25 years since the original series of Murders in Woodsboro and a decade since the events of The Last String of Slayings. That means scar tissue has long been 25 developed. years since the original Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I felt old for an episode. I was like 25. 96. <laughs> that means scar tissue has long developed over old wounds for both words, Woodsboro and its legacy players as well as a semblance of peace. I would just be over it at that point. I if literally, you just, wouldn't you just be over it? If I lived in Woodsboro, I would be so motherfucking over it. I feel like when, <laughs> what's his name? When Dewey calls Sydney and she sees his name on the phone and she's like, oh, I'd be like, fuck. no. Hi, how's it been? It's been so long. Yeah, nothing's been like that. It's happening again. You know what? Fuck. No. Like, I'm done. I'm, I'm no, fucking, I'm, I'm out. I'm, <laughs> I'm done. Don't call me anymore. I'm blocking your fucking number. I'm blocking all Woodsboro areas. Yes. Yes. That is until Ghostface reappears and targets a new generation of Woodsboro teens, of course. James Vanderbilt and Guy Busick's screenplay evolves. The I'm fran- still reading that James Vanderbeek. I don't care what anybody says. I know yes. it's not, but. <laughs> evolves the franchise in clear and poignant ways. Directors Matt Bet- Bettinelli Olpen and Tyler Gillet. Or Gillette. Like the razors. Yes. <laughs> Dedicate Scream to Wes Craven as they should. And the Horror Masters imprint looms large over their film as intrinsic to the movie as Craven's memory is. The filmmakers make one of the best horror movies of 2022 their own. And you know, I do have to say Scream 5 did deliver better than I thought it would. Yes. The odes to the first one were yes. Up- Abundant. Also, didn't know until I saw her clip from her show that the principal making the announcement at the school was Drew Barrymore. That was Drew Barrymore. Are you fucking serious? You didn't know that either? I didn't either. Yeah. Totally wasn't paying attention. So now when I go back and watch it, yeah. Because in the first movie, it was always, we were, it was Henry Winkler. You knew it was Henry Winkler because it was, because he was the principal in the first movie. Right. But yeah, the voiceover at the, at Woodsboro High, that was Drew Barrymore. That's amazing. I did not know that till I saw a clip from her show where she's like, anything involving that franchise, if I get a phone call, she's like, put me in it. If she gets a phone call? I'm like, ma'am. <laughs> I don't even think she realized when she said that. You just said that. I was like, when she gets a phone call? You probably shouldn't. Also, I Casey do Beckham. appreciate, <laughs> I do very much appreciate them keeping it on the low about Skeet being in it because it was such a... We all kind of knew it was so going to happen. That was a nice, that was, oh, it made me so happy. But when they showed him, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Still looks amazing. Yeah, he's hot. I'm gay as hell. And I've met that it's man in person. Man. And I'm like, I don't know what's going or on. but mm. Just man. So coming in at number seven is a movie that I'm never going to watch ever. Same. So anybody that did see it, good on you. I hope you're scarred just like I was after a Serbian film. Um... It's called I was sadness. scarred after reading this. I was... <laughs> no. The premise, which sees a viral mutation cause the infected to become sadistically violent, which I think is the understatement of the century, 
reads like a familiar setup in an outbreak horror. It quickly becomes apparent that the sadness refuses to adhere to the average viral horror movie. Director Rob Jabaz keeps a death grip on the pulse of the current climate, delivering a rage-filled manifesto that aims to tick off every cinematic taboo <laughs> possible yep, and test your gag reflex in the process. It's transgressive horror of the highest, most aggressive order. Heed all of the trigger warnings <laughs> and then some. The filmmaker delivers his message with blunt force trauma. It'll leave you with trauma. Breaking all the rules along the way. The sadness is a vicious anthem that keeps you in its grips, forces you to stare into the abyss, and dares you to look away. Yeah, no, I After reading, no. go on Wikipedia mm -hmm. and read what's in it. Yep. Um, I will not be seeing it. It's pretty I... close to a Serbian film. That's the best way I can describe it after what I read. Like yeah. it just it's it just gets worse and worse and more disgusting and sicker and worse and then it just ends and it's horrible and then you feel horrible. So bravo to anybody go... that sat through this movie. I hope you feel better about yourself. Yeah, I don't I just I don't understand why movies like this make these lists. I mean, I I guess I get it. I, I guess that type of horror has bled itself into the mainstream now at this point. I think it's no a lot of shock it, horror. Yeah. I'm, 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 I can't. I'll pass. Thank I can't. You. There, and not even just in horror. There's a lot of, you know, I have a lot of trauma. I have a lot of uh, like SA trauma. I have a lot of things that have happened to me where there's just certain movies, whether it's horror or not, where I'm just like, I'm, I'm not going to watch that. Why am I going to put myself through that? My, my dad was, my dad's a Vietnam War vet and he will not watch war movies. So, I mean, I fucking get it. Like, why would you want to watch something that could trigger a traumatic event that happened in your life? Even though, if, even though what you're watching is fictitious, it's, you know, it's going to trigger something. So it's like, why would I do that? Like, why would you do that to yourself? So, I mean, I think it's understandable when certain people don't want to see movies like this. It's not giving anything away to the movie. The movie, for what it is, could, you know, if a lot of people enjoyed enough to make lists and do well, great. That's awesome. But I, it's not, me and a lot of other people, including Casper, are not going to watch this movie. And I mean, that's, you know, it's whatever. I don't have many lines. I really don't. When it comes to horror movies, like, I, I especially when it comes to gore, it takes a lot for me. But when it comes to gore, sexual yeah, my husband, assault, my husband can't do any gore. <laughs> I'm gonna pass on. That. Oh yeah, all I'm of gonna. That. Yeah, when it's when it's gore and a sexual assault, yeah. I'm gonna really pass. Like I don't, I really Let's don't want that. And then my girlfriend, yeah, she's just like him. No gore. Oh, like none. Like she's like, like I can handle a stabbing or like things like that. But like if it's he like could overly do gory, but like. Yeah, like Terrifier. There's oh my god, no. There's no way in hell I she'd would, watch Terrifier. Oh no, he wouldn't. No, he would not. When there's I described no the scene yeah. to her, she yeah. started gagging. He, no, there's. Mm -mm. She's like, I can't even he imagine watching not, that. He will not. <laughs> and I was like, and I can't wait to see the second one where it's even worse. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I hear there's special, a special mention to to Terrifier too. I I hear that there's mashed potatoes being ate out of a skull. Yep. Nice. Bring it on. Is, is blood the gravy? Bring it. <laughs> anyway. So the number six com coming in at number six is a movie called Dead Stream. I have heard so fucking much about this movie. And I Shutter. have heard nothing. So 
I think most of it's been Twitter, to be honest with you. Um, this, I cannot wait to watch this movie. I've heard so many people say it is absolutely fantastic. Um, the feature director, hold on. The feature directorial debut from husband and wife filmmaking couple Vanessa and Joseph Winter. Oh, I like that. Follows a disgraced internet personality who attempts to win back his followers by live streaming one night alone in a haunted house. It spirals onto a gonzo horror comedy full of body fluids, gore, and ghostly creatures that would make Sam Raimi proud. Sign me up. Right. Sign it up. Every bit of the humor lands too, making for a triumphant crowd pleaser that hooks you from start to finish. Speaking of Sam Raimi, have you heard about the, well, we'll be talking about it, the new Evil Dead. <laughs> have you seen the trailer? Yes, ma'am. I saw it today. Fucking hell. We will get there. <laughs> Deadstream is a DIY labor of love and the filmmakers somehow make wearing so many hats seem effortless. The small scale story feels larger than life through its characters, human and otherwise. The story beats may not always surprise, but the clever progression, balance of physical horror and comedy and the go for broke gags ensure it doesn't matter. Yeah, I've so, heard such good things about oh, that. Oh, God, I have too. Well, actually, no. I haven't heard anything. Sorry. I was still thinking about the new Evil Dead. Um, I need to watch this. Now just watch seeing the description. Or the, um, oh. No, the uh, Deadstream. Deadstream. It's on Shutter, I believe. Yeah. So yeah, I've heard. Five is Watcher. Um, and I actually Can we talk about, one. can we stop naming things Watcher and The Watcher and The Witcher and Watcher? Because Watcher. I keep... Yeah, that was the one that was on um, Netflix about the house that we did the episode There's about. a few like a movies called, like, Watcher yeah. or The Watcher. And I'm like, I'm getting them all kinds of fucking confused. But anyway, go on. <laughs> I actually have heard of this one. Um, and any any movies that make people feel, like, super paranoid where, like, they don't know what's going on can either be really great or not so great. It just depends. But this 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 one I might give a shot. Um, so it stars, uh, I don't, I never, oh my god, the girl from, uh, freaking It Follows. It follows. Uh, Micah Monroe? I'm pretty sure it's, you're right, I think it's or, Micah. We'll say Micah, M-A-I-K-A, I'm so sorry for butchered it. Um, she plays Julia, who's an American, that uproots her life to accompany her half-Romanian husband, Francis, played by Carl Glusman, to Bucharest for his high-pressure job. She's left almost entirely on her own to adjust to a new country and culture, and it's made even harder by the language barrier. Alone all day and increasingly at night, Julia stares out the window and notices an eerie face staring back. That feeling of being watched transforms into a full-blown paranoia with the discovery that a killer named Spider has been stalking and decapitating women in the area. Great. But, but is someone following Julia, or is it a byproduct of loneliness and culture shock? Chloe... Okunu, Okuno, Okunu, um, Okunu's ability to create eerie unease from an uncomplicated premise impresses. It's a measured, moody psychodrama that allows Okunu to wear influences on her sleeves, making them her own, until one bloody and satisfying finale that seals the deal on Watcher being one of the best horror movies of 2022. Listen, I'm here for it. All right, sounds pretty good. This next one I'm really mad about. That I haven't seen. <laughs> I am honestly. too. Because we saw. We saw. My husband and I both saw the first two Jordan Peele movies in the theater. Yep. So, so this one we wanted to. Because we went and saw Us together. We did. And then him did and I see, saw. We did not see Get no, Out together. We, no, we saw Get Out together. Me and my husband did. 
So the next one, number coming in at number four, we have Nope. Um, O.J. Haywood, who is played by Daniel Kalua, struggles to keep his recently passed father's horse ranch afloat. The arrival of his lively sister Emerald, played by Kiki Palmer. If none of you know who that is, it should sound very familiar to old Disney fans. Uh, adds to his stress as he tries to maintain faithful responsibility towards the family ranch. But then, an eerie phenomenon begins swooping over their valley. The siblings become determined to capture it on camera. On the surface, Nope is an accessible, straightforward sci-fi horror movie that nails its humor as much as it elicits gasps. Below is a darker examination of media and those it devoured and left behind. Jordan Peele effectively captures the scope and spectacle of a summer blockbuster, packing it with chill-inducing moments, gasp-worthy thrills, and endless endearing characters. The filmmaker also continues his streak of layering scathing critiques within a horror crowd pleaser that keeps you guessing. Alright. I'll be honest with you guys. I have had somehow no spoilers from that film. None. Nobody's nobody, nobody nope. spoiled anything about it. Not a thing. Nobody did. I nope. still haven't seen any spoilers about it at all. So I'm I still low key just then only kind of figured out what the movie was half about. Now I know <laughs> the only thing that did get spoiled is the opening scene. I did hear that the opening scene is fucked up. Um but uh that was about it. Otherwise, I never heard anything else about the movie, which I was, uh, yeah, I was happy that people did that. So this one I have not heard of. Apparently, this is a, um, this was a foreign horror film, a Norwegian film, which, uh, you know, these are, these are sometimes some of the best ones. It's called The Innocence. It's a provocative look at the fine razor line between good and evil and the darker side of innocence. Four compelling performances ground the disturbing horror, adding complex emotions and morality to feel the tension. Writer-director Eskil Voigt crafts a stunning portrayal of childhood morality with a tale of four children discovering supernatural abilities over a summer. Voigt twists the knife further by setting it under the bright Nordic sun. The terror these kids commit happens right under their adults' noses, often in plain sight with no one the wiser. The emotional authenticity found in the innocence heightens the horror, creating one of the most viscerally disturbing depictions of childhood in recent memory. Listen, anything creepy with kids, I'm... It's... Yeah. It kind of sounds like a legit <clears throat> horror movie about X-Men. Yeah. Like, instead of the mutants, yeah, which like was actually an X-Men movie. Yeah, if you basically made this into a yeah so number two is x we had mentioned pearl it was wild to me that they were both both released in the same year right so i bet they probably made them i think he shot them at the, sa at yeah. the same time would have been easier set in 1979 texas a group of aspiring adult filmmakers my cars Load up in a van and drive from houston to the boonies to shoot producer wayne the rings martin henderson Enlist his girlfriend, Maxine, played by Mia Goth, along with Bobby Lynn, Brittany Snow, and Jackson Scott Muscuti, Muscuti to star. Which is a.k.a. Kid Cuddy. Yes. Then he rents a boarding house on the cheap... I am so sorry. My brain stopped. My I buffered. Then he rents a boarding house on the cheap from the reclusive elder Howard 
uh, played by Stephen Yer, who warns them to stay out of his wife's sight. The porn production quickly devolves into a fucked up horror picture when things spiral out of control. The lean, straightforward narrative gets straight to the goods and never wastes time on heavy exposition. It's all in the little details and the talented cast making these characters feel lived in with a shared history. X demonstrates why Ty West should be given a full reign to go full throttle on deranged, savage, and intense horror comedies more often. After all, he directed not one, but two of the best horror movies of 2022. Exactly. Yep. So coming in at number one, which I did hear a lot of crazy things about, and I think that's because there was this movie was kept so secret because people wanted to keep the reveal as quiet as possible because the reveal basically had nothing to do with what people thought the movie was about. Um, but after I read about it, I was like, nope, again, because this is another one of those, like, there's a lot within the story that's just very triggering for things that have happened to me personally that I'm like, I'm probably not, I'm definitely not going to see the sadness. I probably won't see this one. Something might change my mind down the line, but, uh, number one is Barbarian. I did hear a lot of great things about this. It was directed by Zach Krieger. Written and directed. Um, it eschews conventions in Barbarian to keep audiences on edge, making for one of the most delightfully unhinged viewing experiences in recent memory and the year's biggest horror surprise. A simple rental nightmare sets up an intense pressure cooker scenario with no limits to the midnight madness. At its core, Barbarian presents two sides of the same coin reacting to one hellacious scenario. From it unleashes one sadistic and gruesome horror thriller unafraid to be as biting with its pitch black humor as its horror. All rules get tossed out of the window in Barbarian, including its unconventional narrative structure, resulting in a confrontational and chilling feature that leaves you breathless. I appreciate that. I, you know, and that's another movie that I'm, I appreciate that there were no spoilers. Like nobody, <clears throat> people were really good about keeping completely under wraps what the movie was about because that was the whole point. Like mm -hmm. you weren't supposed to know anything at all until you actually saw it. Um, so before we get into the 2023, just to name a few of the horror shows from last year, um, Archive 81 by James Wan. I started it, but I didn't finish it. I started Cabinet of Curiosities to the Guillermo del Toro one on mm -hmm. Netflix, and it was really good. The first episode, I forgot to tell you, the first one has Andrew Lincoln in it, mm -hmm. if you don't know that name. If you don't know that name, are you really a horror fan? I mean, anyway, um, that was wild watching that one because it was the woman that directed uh, The Duke, and you all know how I feel about The Duke. And I was so surprised at how great that first one was. It was so fucking, it was very gothic. It reminded me a lot of um, uh, I would help. The Woman in Black. It reminded okay, me of the woman like, in black. I would love to it help reminded you, me of the but... one because it was a big house and you like saw like and you were like you thought you saw shat and like children and there was like a whole thing. It is so it was so good. It was so fucking good. And really good seeing Andrew Lincoln and something else. Was like, goddamn Rick Rhymes. Like right. it I've never seen listen, I'm sorry, I'm not a love actually fan. I know we just have Christmas, but I I do not. <laughs> I, like that movie. I had never heard of it till I watched The Walking Dead and found out who Andrew Lincoln was and I was like okay well I'll go back and watch it I did not like that movie. I don't think I did either um, I, I didn't care for it I just didn't particularly care for it but um so I knew Andrew Lincoln from nothing but The Walking Dead so seeing him in the I don't even remember what it's called but um 
Yeah, I I hate that I didn't finish Cabinet of Curiosities. That that was really good. I, I need to people. Yeah, Netflix really did a good job. I need that. to go back and finish Archive eighty one because I'll be honest with you, it was really good. The episodes that I did see of it, it was very good. It was very what the fuck is going on type of show. Plus yeah. James one, we of course. What else? What, so uh, the Midnight Club came out last Midnight year, too. Club, I still yeah. have not watched no, that. I, I still want to. Because anything that Mike Flanagan touches, I will be gracing my eyes with it. Um, 1899, I heard that was a huge hit. I didn't watch any of it. I think my roommate did. She really liked it. Um, and then, of course, last but not... That was by the writers and creators of Dark. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. I did not watch it either. And I fucking loved it. It got cancelled. They're not coming back for a second season. Yeah. yeah. There's a petition that's being signed by fans right now. They're trying so hard, but I maybe who knows? don't don't give up hope though. Maybe another streaming service will pick it up. One can um, only hope. And then the biggest one that came out last year, besides Stranger Things season four, because let's be real, when that came out, it was like, oh my god. I don't even know how to describe it. It's not even Pretty new, much but took over the Lex took over. <laughs> it really did. But um, of course, the biggest I would say, quote unquote, horror show that came out last year would had to have been Wednesday, mm -hmm. and that came out in November. And Becky hasn't seen it yet. I haven't. I but pretty much know all about it. I'll get around to it. It really, you probably know everything anyway. But it's very good. I very much appreciated My 10-year-old niece loved it. <laughs> I loved it. I very much appreciated that Christina Ricci was actually a big character oh, in it. Um, Not series, but I did want to give special mention to another horror movie last year that I did see on a few other lists, but I didn't see it on this one. The Black Phone was really well done. Oh, that was last I year? I really enjoyed The Black Phone, yeah. Jesus I really Christ. Did. I really Same. liked it. Um, And it was wild seeing Ethan Hawke play a villain like that. I, I've loved him i've been such a fan of his and mm -hmm. that was fucking wild i so i just wanted to give special mention to that because that was really good i really enjoyed that movie a lot but um yeah i really enjoyed seeing christina ricci playing a big character in that that mm -hmm. was actually really cool and of course the lady from game of thrones who is tall and beautiful we all love her i can't remember her i can't gwendolyn christie i was like i can't even remember her name um, and then special mentions for movies that came out. Uh, Terrifier 2, uh, like we had mentioned before, we yeah. haven't seen it yet. Uh, Halloween Ends. Yep. Um, Smile. I don't know if anybody has seen the movies. I'm sure a lot of you went to see I Smile. I didn't watch it either. Um, it's literally It Follows. It is the same exact Got film. Got some decent reviews, though. Um, it's the same exact film as It Follows, but instead of sex being the... Link, it is uh, trauma yeah. and suicide. So trigger warning on that, but it is yeah. actually a fantastic film. Um, if you can handle, I just, big trigger warning for suicide. It is all over that movie. So I'm just like letting you guys know. And I don't care if people are like, you're spoiling it. I don't really give a fuck. No, like, that's something that That's a legit said. trigger warning. <laughs> it's a lot that went on last Um year, Also, so. there was a movie called Sissy. That came yeah, out. Yeah, I saw um, that on some other lists too. That was a really good one. I don't want to say too much about it because there's a big twist in it that's really good, but that was actually a very good uh, film from 2022 as well. So this is movieweb.com. We're getting into the top 10. These are just 10 of the upcoming 2023 movies. Um, 
At number 10, they've got Infinity Pool. I haven't heard anything about this yet, I haven't but either. we've got Mia Goth popping up again, and I love Alexander Skarsgård, um, as well as an actress by the name of Cleopatra Coleman, that are all slated to star in this twisted tale of a couple whose dream vacation turns into a nightmare. After being offered an all-inclusive beach day, James and M. Foster find themselves on a strange island with unconventional subcultures. In the trailer, we see James suddenly hitting a pedestrian the night as he drives, after which the visuals descend into a frenzy of fear, sex, blood, and mind games. This film is set to premiere January 27th of 2023. I, that's the first I've heard of this. <laughs> I have not heard anything about it either, and it's the end of this month. That's wild. Um, next is The Exorcist, which is a... Is it a remake or a... Is it a... Um, so apparently this sequel. is supposed to be a direct sequel from the 1973 one so I they're doing they're exactly what, what halloween, halloween did, did. They're okay like ignoring all of everything this, everything after the first movie brace yourself for yet another exorcist film with a 2023 reboot promising to be even scarier than the award-winning original the cast features ellen burston and leslie odom jr in this remake of the 1973 classic with burston reprising her role as chris mcneil alongside a Sorry. Alongside a fresh cast and crew, critics hope for an epic revival that will draw in both old fans and new. The Exorcist will be released on October 13th, 2023. Oh, okay. So we got a while before that one. Um, next to number eight is Knock at the Cabin. I've heard nothing about this. Same. Um, Ten psychological. Oh, God, films. it's an M. Night Shyamalan one. Maybe that's why we haven't oh. heard anything. Um, his are either great, they're hit or miss. They're very hit they're or miss. They're very hit or miss, so we'll see. Um, there is no in between for him. The trailer for Knock at the Cabin promises a tense psychological horror that will leave you on the edge of your seat. A young family drives into the woods for a rusted cabin getaway. Horror fans already know this won't end well. We, we don't. Any cabin in the woods, it never ends well. No. Since characters in horror films can never enjoy nature... <laughs> they really can't. Listen. Without being subjected to terror... A deranged but diverse crowd of strangers forced their way into the cabin, ominously announcing that this family has been chosen to make a difficult choice in order to avoid the apocalypse. Well, that is the extent to which the choice in question is elaborated upon in the trailer, but with M. Night Shyamalan as the director and mastermind, there is no doubt it will be it will be full of unbelievable plot twists. Knock at the Cabin premieres February 3rd. This Listen, year. no, I like M. Night Shyamalan, but let's not give him unbelievable plot twists. Besides, yeah. besides uh, the sixth sense, that sixth sense was his movie, right? Right. Besides the sixth sense, and uh, you can stop there. That was the only one with the big twist. Because Village had a big twist too, but it, it did. It wasn't. It wasn't earth shattering to me. And even um, uh, Signs wasn't a big. Lady in the Water twist. wasn't Signs either. Signs was I. The visit was easy to figure out. No offense, I'm sorry, but it was. It, it was, was very it was easy good to movie out. though. Great movie. Um. Oh god, the one with Mark Wahlberg. That was the uh, happening. The happening is with was the turning. Awful. Probably one of the worst oh, yeah. films I've ever worst. seen. And they both have the with a stupid name that means nothing. And it both life. ends in ing. Terrible. <laughs> Just no. Number seven, Scream Six. Yes. Uh, finds the survivors of the latest ghost face killings in Scream Five fleeing their rural town to start fresh in New York City. Because <laughs> they're like, Woodsboro, we're fucking done. But despite their hopes of putting their grisly past behind them, the group is haunted yet again by the emergence of a new ghost face killer. The film features Great. Ready or Not. 
Did I? Yeah, I did. Smart I, for, I always forget she's in this, though, because I keep hearing about it, but Same. then I forget. And then I get excited again. <laughs> um... So, Samara Weaving, Jenna Ortega, Courtney Cox, and Hayden Panettiere. Fantastic cast. I'm ready for it. Based on the smash hit success of Wednesday, the new Scream Sitch 6 is about to draw in massive audiences on account of one fan loyalty alone. So, the release date is supposed to be March 10th of this year. Number 6 is... Of Scream 6? Yeah. March? March 10th. Holy shit! Said, but, that's yeah. like so. That's, that's so soon, really, though. That <laughs> that's why I'm like. <laughs> so uh, number six is called the Innis Men. I've not heard anything about this. Uh, the trailer for the 2023 release of Innis Men reveals very little, which is exactly what makes it so unsettling. The trailer, filtered with a sort of retro and grainy look, shows disturbing imagery of vermin chanting women dressed in Amish-like garb. Breaking glass, blood, a man going mad, and ghostly figures in the night. The fuck? This sounds like a VHS. <laughs> it kind of does. Um, the film appears to rely on dis disquieting center scenery and slow burning. Let me pause. Slow <laughs> burning cold like, I glitched for a minute. <laughs> um, and slow burning tension rather than epic action and jump scares sometimes that's the best if it the really film is. lives up to its trailer it could be one of the most thought-provoking horror releases of the year ennis men spelled e-n-y-s will hit theaters on january 13th what is so with these a few days what is with these movies coming out like right now oh yeah so i forgot about this another quick description of the movie because i actually clicked on it um it's a uk it's a ireland film irish film um it's written, directed, and photographed by Mark Jenkin. This is his first film since his 2019 release. It's described as a mind-bending Cornish folk horror set in 1973 that unfolds on an uninhabited island off the Celtic Sea. A wildlife volunteer's daily observations of a rare flower take a turn into the strange and metaphysical, um, forcing both her and viewers to question question what is real and what is a nightmare. And it's shot in grainy 16 millimeter um, film. So, wow. It's it's probably going to look really old and dated. And if it's a slow burn psychological thriller, it sounds like it's going to be really fun. So, up. what you're so telling I'm, me is that for it. Shrooms and the Blair Witch Project had a child. I'm loving it. On an island. With Castaway. Love it. I'm here for it. So number five is Salem's Lot, which I actually forgot about, and I just rem was reminded. That they're remaking it again. Of course. <laughs> a film adaptation of the 79 television series, which itself was based on the novel by Stephen King. Salem's Lot tells the story of a young author seeking inspiration in his hometown of Jerusalem's Lot. He wants to write about a house that has long haunted both him and the community, the now abandoned home of a serial killer. The author soon finds that the truth was worse than he could have ever imagined, with the home hosting a deadly vampire. I love the book. I love the movie. I'm I'm for this. If if Stephen, especially if Stephen King's involved, which is what's been happening recently with a lot of his film adaptations, um, so I'm looking forward to it. Number four, uh, coming in number four is Cuckoo, which I actually have seen pop up on other lists, but I know nothing about it, and um, I'm totally fine with that. 
<laughs> uh, Euphoria fans will be thrilled to know that 2023 they will see fan favorite Hunter Schaefer lead in a horror film. She's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Schaefer will play Gretchen in 2023's Cuckoo, a project as of yet thoroughly enshrouded in mystery. I've heard nothing about this, but I've seen it pop up in lists everywhere. So I'm kind of living for that. We do not know when exactly the movie will be released in the coming year, nor do we know anything about it other than cast members, including Dan Stevens and Jessica Henwick. He's whoever this is uh, doing. This is taking the uh, Jordan Peele approach to note. I'm fine. I'm fine with it. I like it. Totally fine with it. Oh, number three. Listen, listen. I think everybody's looking forward to this movie. Um, tiny little robot Elizabeth Olsen. No, I'm just kidding. Might as well be. It's almost a rite of passage for every generation to have a horror movie that absolutely ruins dolls for them. Yeah, why not? Why not? Even though Chucky is everything. Actually, dolls ruined it for me. That movie horrified me, and that came out before Chucky. I love Chucky. That movie now. came dolls. out in the seventies, didn't it? Yeah, I think seventy-three, seven, something like that. Movie scared the shit out of me. Um, with the titular, titular character treading right through the uncanny valley, <laughs> Megan seems that it will do just that. A little orphan girl is given the animatronic doll as a companion. The doll serves her purpose until she begins to defy commands and eventually starts to claim lives. The film will explore the dangers of increasingly intelligent AI. Pardon me. AI and the potential complications of humans and AI forming attachments. Megan is set to release Friday. In two days. <laughs> Literally in two days. Yeah, I'm I'm not there's, I'm really excited about it. There's too much it. going on with AI already that this is I, I, this is kind of the way it's going and it's going to fall off the rails. So also, this is her, why we she's going to learn from these movies. She has sick dance moves. Sick. People that have copied them on TikTok, I'm dying. I'm, I'm dead. I'm, I'm living for it. I love it. Oh, this number two. I'm on the fence about this. I am excited. I'm really on the fence about this, but I know everybody's super excited, but I'm still very much on the fence because this is my childhood being turned into a bloody I mean, same. film. But <laughs> Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, and a continuation of this strange trend of turning cute little children's characters into grisly characters of Harbingers of Doom, get ready for Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. One of the top Google searches related to the film's title is asking whether the project <laughs> is real, and the mm-hmm. answer is yes. Because when I started hearing about it on Instagram, I was like, this is fucking fake. Same. It is not. Screenwriters and director Reese Waterfields reimagines the 100-acre wood as a sinister place <laughs> where Winnie and Piglet aren't so innocent and friendly. Jesus Christ. Hearing 100-acre wood as a sinister place. Poo. Like, let me go into a happy and he's place. Like, <laughs> let me go into a happy place. The trailer doesn't seem to indicate any performances of high caliber or quality plot points. Listen, once you're down this road, we're not looking for an Academy Award winning movie here. All right. We're not we know, looking for plot We points. know what we're signing up for. We know what we're seeing. We're That's signing it. up for a bloodbath. But That's it certainly it will be an entertaining experiment, unironically turning a pantsless anthropomorphic bear into a serial killer. Love it. Wow. Whether you genuinely believe in the project or just want to get a laugh, the film premieres February 15th. Perfect Valentine's Day. Perfect Valentine's Day movie. Yes. Yes. Perfect Valentine's Day movie. Yes. Now, listen, honestly, this This is the one we were excited about. This This number one one (laughs) is probably my number one. Watch the trailer today. Um, So fucking excited about this. Evil Dead Rise. Prepare to sleep with a nightlight if you can at all. Desolate wooded cabins aren't the only places primed for haunting. 
A flesh-eating demon can torment you in your Los Angeles apartment. This is the premise of Evil Dead Rise. As two sisters find themselves facing off against this disembodied evil, the film is expected to be released April 21st, 2023. That is six days before my Good birthday. birthday. Perfect timing. Fucking listen. that I saw the trailer Perfection. today. And, um, I did too, yeah. Perfect. It looks amazing. I'm so fucking excited about this. Very. It very, honestly very is probably the one I'm this. looking most forward to yeah, this year. I am too. I'm looking forward to Scream. Uh, well, looking forward to Scream. Yeah, Scream Six for sure. Um, <laughs> um, specific or some honorable mentions. The Nun Two, uh, will be coming yes. out this year. Um, I'm trying to think. I thought there was more coming out this year. I have heard that Conjuring Four has been solidified by James Wan. I only listen to stuff like that when it's been mm -hmm. solidified. Um, so I don't know if that's happening this year or if it's just a project that they're starting this year. Um, Insidious 5 is coming out this year as well, which I'm super excited about because yes. it is a directorial debut for Patrick Wilson. Uh, he will be in it as well, and so will the kid that played Damien in the first one. Damien, no. His name wasn't Damien. It's okay. What was it? I don't remember. But the kid who was haunted in the first one. It was we, not Damien. But it's not Damien. Everybody knows exactly. We, we know. Because I'm over here like the omen. No. <laughs> I'm just. I'm really thoroughly excited because it was so fucking. Those first two movies were so good. And I knew. They we really were, not, were. I knew we weren't done with the Lambert family. Like I knew we weren't done with that family. I knew at some point in the Insidious series that the Lambert family would come back. So I'm I'm living for it. Yeah, the Nun Two is going to be September eighth. Tessa Farmiga's coming back. Yeah, she is. Yes. Well, I mean, she like kind of. She has. To. She kind of has to. She's kind of <laughs> the yeah. main character. She 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 has to. Yeah. Somebody just said, "Oh, okay." So, um, David Gordon Green is involved with this new Exorcist. So, yes, he is doing the exact same thing that he did with the Halloween with Halloween. Literally, the he's exact doing the same. same exact thing. Exact thing. The same thing. Um, Saw Ten will be coming out October twenty seventh of this year. That's another special mention. I mean, I'm I'm gonna go see it. I will as well. I'm gonna go see it. I'm I'm gonna go see it. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I'm a glutton for punishment. It's it's one of my favorite series. I'm I'm, I'm gonna go see it. Yeah, so, I'm gonna see know. it too. It's kind of like if they make another paranormal activity, I'm gonna watch it. Um, I yeah. Same here. I just I know you're just we're gluttons for punishment, and it happens. I'm know. like, oh, that's the that's the seventeenth. Okay, well, let's. Let's watch it. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Still gonna watch it. I will not be watching the new Exorcist film. I refuse because of the old one. I just, I refuse. So I will just go off what everyone else says and I'll be like, cool. I might watch it, but you know, the series holds such a special place oh, for us. We really need to talk about the I'm, series. Yeah. We've never talked about it. We'll do that this year. We, yeah, because we'll I need to revisit it anyway. That's a project. That is a project for this year. And I need to revisit it and, anyway, and so it gives me an excuse. Yeah, same here. Series was and so I think, fucking And I think good. my girlfriend would actually like that series, so I think she'd watch it My husband me. loved it. 
Well, remember because we, we that. watched it together. We all three we all were did. watching yeah. it. The first se- especially the first season. There was a lot of the second season that I think he missed. But the first season in particular, we all watched it. And Listen. He, and he, re- he really liked it. He I liked loved it. Um, Your girlfriend would like it. Yeah, she. she I think yeah. she if would. He like, if she, he liked it, she would like it. She loves paranormal films. He does. So too. she would probably really too. like it. I just have to say, though, do you remember the gummy warm green pudding that yes. I made? That was really good. It was really good. <laughs> and I will never forget that like, I won legit a signed really script good. from that because that's cool as hell. That was so awesome. And you got to meet Hannah. And I got to meet Hannah. Yeah, Hannah Kasolka is a, a sweetheart. Shout out. I've been trying to message her to get her on the podcast, to be honest, for an episode of The Exorcist, but she's getting kind of noticed now. So she's probably been very busy, and she probably doesn't remember me at this point, um, which is okay. I understand. Like, I'm not upset about it in any way. Um, I just wish there was a way I could, like, it totally happens, nab her, but we'll do an exorcist one regardless. Because that series, listen, I, you guys, if you've listened to this podcast, you know I have my issues with the first film. But the series, I was so obsessed with it, and I still am. And it's one of the best horror series ever made. And um, if you haven't seen it, you have to watch it. I'm pretty sure it's on Hulu. But you have to watch it. Season 1 and Season 2 are very different. Um, Season 1 is a continuation from the original film. Season 2 has nothing to do with it at all. Um, but season two was very good. But season two was fantastic. It very much was. And John Cho is in it. And it was very good. So anyway. He was super cute. And I was he like cute. not expecting that at all. Like I was not expecting him to be that friggin' cute. And I like immediately had a crush on him after that show. It was really well done. Well, and it introduced the chick that was in uh, Deadpool and Deadpool 2. Tragedy Girls. In, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Tragedy Girls. Yeah. She was in it. Like, she just... That was crazy, because she was just, like, popping up in everything. She all was. All of a sudden, so... I loved how when we watched the first season, I was, like, I had a big crush on Hannah, and you had a big crush on Brienne. I was like, one sister for each. Lol. <laughs> but we both get mom. Um, <laughs> forever. Gina fucking Davis. I remember when I saw a trailer for The Exorcist and saw Gina Davis, and I'm like, Gina Davis is playing in a show called The Exorcist? What the fuck? <laughs> well, Gina Davis in something horror, because I don't think she's been in anything horror since, what, Beetlejuice? Probably not. I don't think she's done anything horror. She slayed that role, though. Oh my god, she slayed that role. But anyway, I think that's it. That's all we've got. Um, looking forward to what's coming out this year. Very excited. And anything we didn't catch last year, we have plenty of time to watch this year. So, um, and I need that time. Hope you guys enjoy it. <laughs> Same. Yes. So next week we are actually going to be talking about, this will be a nice little segue from The Nun 2 coming out this year. If you guys remember The Nun, there was the character of Frenchie that everybody loved that you got the nice little spoiler alert at the end of the movie that that was the same Frenchie in the beginning of The Conjuring that we saw in Ed and Lorraine's film of the man that they were performing the exorcism on. Um, That is actually a true story. Maurice Theralt uh, was a real person. Um, 
that unfortunately did have to undergo uh, apparently several ex exorcisms, um, one of which was done and witnessed by the Warrens. He is one of the Warrens' case studies, and uh, that is what that is who we are going to be talking about. We are going to be talking about the real Frenchie from the Nun next week. So, and I know the nun, the Nun gets a lot of hate. Um, I. I love that movie. I don't know why. I have no idea why the nun gets a lot of hate. Because it's love... not scary. Scared? Okay, well. Tell you something. Let when, me tell you something. The beginning of the movie, when that bitch is coming down that goddamn I mean, hallway yeah, that's with terrifying. that music, I'm, I'm terrified. What kind of music? <laughs> like, literally. I just really... What was it again? <laughs> is she coming down the hall? I'm or like, is Oming? What is she doing? Like, what is she doing? Oh. Are we getting ready for yoga? Like, what are we doing? Um, and then the scene where they all are in that like refrigerated room, and he's like, um, I laid that body down, it wasn't sitting up. Listen, let me tell you something. <laughs> I no. I was like, no. There were so many parts of that movie that scared the shit out of me. I don't know anybody could say that movie wasn't scary. I there were parts that creeped me Annabelle out. Annabelle were not scary. Annabelle wasn't scary at no. all. No, I think out of that whole series, Annabelle definitely wasn't. The first Annabelle was not scary. absolutely was not, not scary at all. Um, but the nun freaked me. The out. nun there to were me, parts that really maybe not like scared me, but really freaked me the fuck out. The nun to me was very atmospheric. I I do. There were parts of it that scared me a little bit. I shouldn't say even scared. There are parts of it that freaked me out, but as a whole, that movie was beautiful to watch. Like, mm -hmm. it was just such a great atmosphere. The storytelling was really good in it, too, and that's why I think Acting a lot of people great. don't like it, because it wasn't meant to scare you. It was meant to tell a story, and I don't think people expected that. Not to say the movie didn't have its scary moments. It did, but... That movie was 100% made for atmosphere. 100%. It was like The Witch. It was like you when you watch it, you're in this atmosphere that you really like. Um, I loved The Nun. I thought it was fucking great. The acting was amazing. James Wan, if he wanted to, even though this isn't real life, he could turn Thaisa Farmiga's character into Lorraine Warren. Like, if he really wanted to, he could turn her character into Lorraine Warren. Like, she had this crazy-ass past. And to get away from it, she had to run away to America and change her name. Like, it'd be fucking amazing just because Thaisa and Vera look identical. But he probably won't do that just because it's way too far off. But, um... I'm very excited for The Nun, too. I'm very excited to see how it goes. That could be a little fan thing. Yeah. You know? Exactly. All right. But, yeah, that's it. So, come back next week for the real story about Frenchie. So. I'm very excited about that one. All right, guys. Well, you know where we have our socials. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All at DFWTO Podcast. Handle is 88, or DFWTO8811. If you have any questions, concerns, want to say hey, please give shoot us an email at dfwto8493 at gmail.com. If you uh, don't mind, please give us a follow and a subscribe on um, Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iTunes. Leave us a review. Let us know how you like the episodes. 
And if you subscribe, you'll always know when we put out new episodes. Is that everything? I think we socials. Yep. Okay. Check us out everywhere. I believe so. We're pretty much everywhere. We're everywhere. Yeah. We, a lot of people we tend to are like, in your dreams. A lot of people tend to like listening to us on Spotify. It seems to be one of the more popular we're ones. We're in your but dreams. In Europe, uh, Podbean. Because I guess we're still a big... That seems to be the one that's mostly used in the UK. Yeah. And Europe is Podbean, mostly. So, But yeah, we are. We're in your dreams. We're like Freddy. <laughs> you can't see it, but I'm smiling. I'm going to sing right now. All right, guys. We'll have a wonderful week into the new year. Go see Megan this weekend. Yes. <laughs> um, And we will catch you guys next week. Yep. Um, I think I would usually say something like be safe out there. Guys, my brain is gone. It's MIA at this moment. But be yep. safe out there. And remember, don't <laughs> fuck with the original. Okay, bye. <laughs> oh. <laughs>